0: there are people in the foyer Um, and I want that again
1: north. We doing all right? Come on, let's clap if you're grateful to be in God's house. Well, hey, it's good to see you this morning. If you're here for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us. Those joining us online for the first time, welcome. We're glad that you're with us and our family at SCI Chester in partnership with God Behind Bars. Come on, family. Let's show everybody some love. Really (laughs) clap for them. Let them know we're grateful for them. Well, hey, today, it's quite an honor for me today. We have um, Pastor Steve and, and Sharon Kelly from Virginia Beach, Virginia, from Wave Church with us today. And uh, I have to tell you, I'm super excited. Pastor Steve and Sharon are really instrumental in uh, helping us as a church family in the early days. And when we didn't know what a church of life could look like and, and what it could become, we had to travel six hours south um, I'm not going to tell you how many tickets I got over the years driving down there. And, um, but it, it, was a, it was a year of really God depositing seeds in our heart, a vision and a future um, of what the church could be. And uh, it's so fitting for us as a church family to have Pastor Steve speak this morning in concluding our Legacy series. And I'm so excited about that. But before he comes out and before we introduce, uh, before he comes out and shares with you uh, today... I'm so excited, family. I have to tell you, this legacy um, series we've gone through and the devotionals that we've been reading as a family, I really believe have done, they've done a work in my heart. And I remember, I know hearing stories over the last several weeks of what they've meant to you. And, And so I want you to know, as we give every single week, week in and week out, there are people who faithfully bring the tithe to the house of God and give above and beyond that every single week. And I have to tell you how humbled I am and grateful I am as your pastor to see the consistency of giving and sacrifice to God's house. I asked you um, several weeks ago to consider bringing something above and beyond what you normally bring. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, I, many of you have run up to me and sent me emails and said, hey, I, I haven't given my amount yet. This is what I will give towards the end of the year. And I know many of you are uh, planning to give, and some of you have not yet. I want you to know there's, it's not too late. You have the opportunity to be part of this legacy offering, this investment into, into the future of this house up until the end of this month. But to date... Where I, did, I had a card. I don't even know where my card just went. Where did it go? I have it. Here it is. To date, this is a one-time offering church that we had received last week. We, we received as a church family $615,709.39. <laughs> Come on, you should clap for that. That's pretty incredible. Now, I want you to hear this. I want to tell you that is that, that result, that harvest came from 250 families in our church. 250 families, and so I want to, I want to challenge you today. If you're here today and you don't think that what you could bring could make a difference, I want you to know that that's a lie. Anything that you can bring to advance the kingdom of God and the message of Jesus will make a significant difference. So make sure that you you be part of what God's doing. I don't want you to be a spectator and a bystander in what God's doing in this house. Can you say Amen? amen. Come on, I believe in showing honor where honors due. Will you stand to your feet with me? Now, listen, I know that when I preach, and then you clap for me when I preach, I get distracted, and I lose my place. Pastor Steve's not like that. Um, He loves it when people clap for him and encourage him and whatnot. He he doesn't have my problems, okay? So, But listen, I really want you to know that, that Pastor Steve, to me, has been a spiritual father. He has been a spiritual mentor to me. And... I've watched him very closely, maybe more closely than he knows over the last several years, and he's helped me so much navigate through different seasons of life. So True North Church, put your hands together. Welcome Pastor Steve to the platform. Come on. Come on, True North. How you doing?
0: Ho-ho! It is so good to be in New Jersey. I don't know if you know this, but I used to live in New Jersey. In the early 70s, I was lived in Ridgefield Park, New Jersey. Some of you, I know you're all thinking, he doesn't sound like he spent a day in New Jersey. Well, I was, I'm the most Australian sounding American you're ever going to meet. So it's good to be with you. I love your pastors. How many love you pastors? Come on, Jesse and Liza, Eric, Joanne, what a great team. So good to have my wife with me today. You can be seated, praise the Lord. I forgot, I gotta let you sit down, don't I? So good to have my wife. We just celebrated, uh, was it last weekend, darling? Our 38th wedding anniversary, (laughs) 38 years, married. Uh, We have three children and we have seven grandchildren. There's nothing like being a grandparent. I'm telling you, it's God's reward for not killing your kids I remember when we had our first grand grandbaby and my daughter, who's a real health freak, she was determined that her son, who's called Jax, would never, ever eat like sugar at a young age, wouldn't want him to have that. <clears throat> so she was very strict in not just her diet, but what he ate. And I'll never forget, she had his... First birthday, and she goes, "Dad, this will be the first time Jack." She gave him ice cream cake, and she goes, "Dad, this will be the first time Jacks will have ever tasted ice cream in his life." But I said, "Oh, sweetheart, he's had ice cream," <laughs> <laughs> and all the grandparents said, <laughs> "Oh, praise!" It's good, isn't it, Eric? I mean, it's true, isn't it? All right, well. It's an honour to be here for this weekend and what an amazing uh, testimony already that's taken place in the life of your church. I mean, this is the first time I've seen this new facility. How many think this is amazing? Amen. And I've got to give you a warning before I get started. There are cheaper churches to go to. (laughs) A church with vision, you know, and you want to reach people, there's an ask on. Amen. Amen. And there are churches with no vision. They're not asking. They're just, you know, happy with what they got. But this is not that kind of church. Can you say amen? And so I'm honoured today to preach a word that I just preached last Sunday in our own church as we finished our Legacy Weekend. And so are you ready for this? So I'm going to read to you five parables, but never in all my Christian life have I ever heard any preacher, maybe you guys have done this, or maybe... You're the exception, you probably are knowing you guys. Uh, But I've never heard anybody preach these five parables together, and yet they are together. Jesus tells five parables. Most of us know the first three. It's the lost coin, it's the lost sheep, and it's the prodigal son. But Jesus actually told five. In all my years, I've never heard anybody put them together as they were meant to be. And so let's start with Proverbs 19, verse 17. And I just wanna speak to those of you who are participating in your Legacy Weekend. This is the scripture just for you. It says, Proverbs 19, verse 17, whoever is kind to the poor lends to God. Did Did you ever read that verse? Whoever is kind to the poor Lends to God. Did it ever occur to you as a result of your giving to those who don't yet know Jesus that they are poor? That they are lost and bound for hell? There could no be greater definition of poverty than someone who's doomed with a Christless eternity. Amen. And all the good work you do in community, helping people. The Bible says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to God. In other words, this is what God's saying. I'm not saying it, I would be too afraid to say it. But God says it, I'm indebted to you. God puts Himself in a position that when you give to the poor, God says, I owe you. It's just in the Bible. Okay, so here we go. Luke chapter 15, let's read these parables together and let's make sure we consider the whole meaning of the collective writings of these parables. They were never meant to be just preached in isolation they were meant to be considered in the context in which they were written because it gives us a bigger theme and a deeper understanding about weekends of legacy are all about. Look at Luke chapter 15, verse one. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Isn't that so true? Religious people mutter. What's the church doing that for? Why is the church doing mudder, And Jesus, the Bible says, tax collectors and sinners gathered around Jesus. But the religious people couldn't handle that the tax collectors and the sinners are gathering around Him. This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And then Jesus told him this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends together, his neighbours together. And he says, rejoice with me, for I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So the Bible says here, this is the parable, that this man has a hundred sheep and he loses one and he leaves the 99 and goes after the one until he finds it. And then when he returns, he rejoices and he calls his neighbours together and says, rejoice with me for I found my lost sheep. It says in verse seven, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me heaven's priority is lost people, amen. And I gotta tell you, not all churches think like this. You do, you're having five services for Christmas? Dang, (laughs) we need to pray for the team, Amen. And I want to tell you, not all churches think like that. Some churches just ask for no more. They just like it. They don't like churches that are growing. They don't like churches that are large and influential. They just like to keep it small. Selfish Christians don't think like this. And Jesus' attitude is this. Look after yourselves. I'm going after the lost. The shepherd, listen to this, did not lose the sheep. How did the sheep get lost? It was a wandering sheep. It just went, there's some green grass over there. Think, I'll go and chew that. Then it goes, there's some green grass over there. Oh, there's some more green grass. And then all of a sudden the sheep looks up and go, hey, where'd everyone go? But notice the response of the shepherd because this is also telling us about three kinds of backsliders. People who were in the house that are no longer in the house. How many know somebody who was in the house and is no longer in the house? These parables help us understand our response. You see, the wandering sheep, it was not the shepherd's fault that the sheep wandered off. The sheep just wandered off. But the response of the shepherd, leave the 99 and go after the one. Can everybody see that? Okay, here's the second parable. Watch this, it's the lost coin. In, in verse eight, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and searches carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbours together and says, rejoice with me for I found my lost coin. In the same way, this is telling, par- everybody say it's a parable. It's very important. I didn't start with that. It's very important. You understand, these are parables. You don't build necessarily doctrine out of parables, but you get an insight as to what the kingdom of heaven is like. Are you hearing me? And so in the same way, watch this, in the same way, everybody say in the same way. I said that because I lost my spot. (laughs) I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. So here's, The wandering sheep, now we got a lost coin. The response of the shepherd with the wandering sheep, go get it, and when you get it and you find it, you're having a party. Can I tell you, True North is here to give heaven a reason to celebrate. Every time someone who's lost, there's a party. I love it. So Jesus used a woman in this parable, why? Jesus knew she would come up with a plan. She lights a lamp. She sweeps the house. She sweeps the house from one side to the other until she finds the coin. Did you hear that? If a woman was in charge, I think Jesus is saying she would get the job done. And all the women said. And when she finds it, she calls neighbours and she celebrates for the lost coin was found. Now watch. Whose fault was it? The coin got lost. It wasn't the coin's fault. The coin didn't lose itself. It was lost because whoever was the steward of the coin was negligent. Something happened where there wasn't due care. And as a result of that lack of care, but notice the response of the owner of the coin. Go after it, leave it, leave the others until you find it. Okay, here's the next one. Are you ready for this? Number three, just turn to the person next to you and say, this one's for you. <laughs> Look at this, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. We're gonna go somewhere in a minute. It's all gonna make sense. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. That would not be the Eisenhart family. They have a 100. <laughs> the younger one said to his father, Father, give me. Every say, give me. So notice one of the sons said to his dad, give me. Everybody say, give me. That's like, gimme, 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 my name's Jimmy. That's like, take, take, Jake, my name's Jake. That's, that's like someone who says, that's enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? <laughs> okay, so the son says, give me. Everybody say, give me. My share of the estate. So he divided this property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. And the Bible says here that he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he spent everything, there was a severe famine, so the whole country began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him into the fields to, field pig, to feed pigs. And he longed to be filled, to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Now watch this now. I think when we read this, we miss the culture in which this was written in. This is Jesus, a Jewish man, telling a parable to Jewish people. If you know anything about people who are of the Jewish faith, they don't eat pigs. So the thought of a young Jewish man actually Feeding pigs is detestable. And I think when we read it today, we don't get really the meaning of the parable because I think now the thought of longing to eat the food that the pigs ate shows how deep and dark this young man ended up. But not only that, the thought of eating a pig, which in their mind is unclean, but then the thought of eating what a pig ate. But then it gets even worse because it says even though he longed to eat what the pigs ate, he wasn't even given that. And I want you to understand just how bad things got. Come down to verse 18. And he said, I will sit and go out back to my father and I will say to him, he's got this speech worked out. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Every say, make me. Now there's the difference. He started by saying to his dad, give me. And now he's saying to his dad, make me. You know you've changed when you've gone from give me to make me. Somebody give the Lord a hand right there, come on. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to the son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, bring a ring, put it on his fingers, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and Celebrate, for the son of mine was dead, is alive again. He's lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the oldest son was in the field. And when he came near to the house, he heard the music, he heard the dancing. So he, he heard, you know, he heard Lady Gaga. Rah, 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 rah. And he called the servants and what's going on? Well, you wouldn't believe it. There's Lady Gaga, there's Ariana Grande, there's, there's, there's Blake Shelton, there's, uh, I mean, they're all there. James Blunt, they're all there. And they're having this party. So he called the servants and he asked them, what's going on? Your brother's come. And, and, the, and the father said, kill the fatted calf because he's come back safe and sound. But the older brother was angry and he refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, All these years, I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, son of yours, it's his brother. When this son of yours comes home, he squanders all your property with prostitutes. You kill the fettered calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He's lost and now he's found. So here's the story of two lost sons. The first lost son is outside the house. The second lost son is inside the house. And look what the Bible says here. He says, Dad, give me. I wanna go. Exit, stage, left, snagglepuss. See ya. Wouldn't wanna be. Sometimes you just say something and only a few people get that. How many got exit, stage, left, snagglepuss? Let me see. Not everybody. Sometimes you just say something just for a few people and you just hear the little laugh, just a little, and it's enough to know you're touching someone. There are all these songs going off on my head right now. If you only knew the restraint I show, I tell you. And the Bible says a few days later, he's gone. He goes to a faraway country. He wasted all his possessions with prodigal living. He spent all that he had till there was a famine, and then he's in want. And he joined himself to a citizen of that country. Now it says, and he was sent into the fields. To feed pigs. Look at verse 16. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Isn't it amazing how many friends you have when you're just living the wildlife all about you? Isn't it amazing when things get tough, all those people you thought were your friends who were just living off you, which by the way is what the son was doing, was living off the father? How many know you reap what you sow? And now, all of a sudden, he's going, Where did all my friends go? I thought we were brothers for life. And they're all gone because he didn't have anything left. And here is this Jewish boy. And now it tells us listen to this verse 17. When he came to his senses, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Do you know there are people who once were in the house of God, thought they wanna go find their own way. And they come to their senses and they realize, I need to get back to the Father's house. I realize I've tried to fill my life with living that I thought would make me happy, but I need to come back to the Father. But notice the response now of the Father. The, The wandering sheep, the shepherd went after it. The lost coin, the owner of the lost coin went after it. But notice what the father didn't do. He didn't go after the boy. He waited for the boy to come to his senses. Sometimes there are people who were in church life that are no longer there. And you have to to ask yourself, what kind of person is this? Is this a lost coin? If it is, let's go find it. If it's a wandering sheep, let's go find it. But if it's somebody who knows who they are, know where home is, but aren't wanting to come home because they've decided for themselves they're gonna live life their way, you've gotta wait for them to come home. But the Bible does tell us what our response is when they come home. We're to run to them, the Bible says, and hug them and they got a speech. Dad, I've sinned against you. And the dad just ignores the speech. Thank God for the dad, don't you? And, and the dad ignores the speech and the dad calls for his servants and says, come on, bring out the best robe. Put it on him, on top of the filth. Bring out the ring, which is a sign that he's part of the family. The robe, which covers his filth. Let's put sandals on his feet. Let's make sure he's got not another step where the journey will be hard in his walk. His, as of today, his walk gets better. Let's kill the fatted calf. Come on, <laughs> let's party. <clears throat> oh, I love it. But the older son, He's in the field, he comes to the house, he hears the music, he hears the dancing and he asks, what's going on? And they said, your brother's home, your father received him and celebrated. He's home safe and sound, he's angry and he wouldn't go to the party and the father pleads for him to come in. The son says, this son of yours, I've worked for you and you've never given me anything. You've never given me a party. And he goes, I've never done anything wrong. You've never given me a goat. And the dad says, hey, Everything I have is yours. If you don't throw yourself at a party every now and again, that's your fault. And that tells me about sometimes people in the house of God who are just as lost as the sun outside the house because they see new people coming in as an interruption to their convenient lifestyle and they don't like it. And I gotta tell you, True North Church is here to celebrate every single time (laughs) in the name of Jesus. Look at verse 32, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead, is alive again. He's lost and now found. Do you know what these three parables are telling us? Heaven's priority is lost people. So if that's heaven's priority, how many know it needs to be our priority? And I've heard these three parables preached a million times, but I've never heard someone preach the next two, which are right next to these three. And look what it goes on. And look what it says here. Are you ready for this? Okay, Luke chapter 16, the very next verse, new chapter. Then Jesus told this parable. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked, What is this I hear about you? Give an account for your management because you cannot be a manager any longer. This man's getting fired. He's going, Donald Trump, you're fired. Okay? (laughs) The manager said to him, What shall I do now? My master said to himself rather, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each of his master's debtors. He asked the first one, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. Then the manager told him, quick, take your bill, sit down and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? And and he said, a thousand bushels of wheat. He replied, quick, take your bill and make it 800. And the master, this is a parable now, the master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in the dealing with their own kind than the people of light. Do you know what that's telling me? Jesus, sometimes the world is smarter than the church. Sometimes the world is smarter than the church. I tell you, this is the conclusion. Watch, Jesus, it's a parable. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. Why? So that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. This is parable number four. And the first three parables are telling us something. Heaven's priority is lost people. Amen. Well, let's, let's come down to, uh, and then it goes on. It goes, Whoever can be trusted in little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy, watch this, in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will love one and hate the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Look at the response of the Pharisees. The Pharisees hearing this parable, listen to this, who loved money and were sneering. I I mean, what? They loved money. Can I tell you, money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. And the first three parables tell me something, that heaven's priority is lost people. But this fourth parable tells me something that I think is very challenging and very disturbing to what I've never understood before. Look what the Bible says here. He says, and he goes, I love this, verse 14, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this were sneering at Jesus. And he said, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your heart and what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Do you know what this parable tells me? This parable tells me the first three, heaven's priority is lost people. Who can say Amen. This parable tells me that the appropriate use of my finances, when I find out God's priority is lost people, I better realize it requires the appropriate use of my money. That what I do with my finances matters to God. People matter to God. Lost people matter to God. But this parable, which is the fourth of the five parables, tells me that what I do with my assets and income, it's not just, now the Pharisees love money. And Jesus is sticking it to the Pharisees. And Jesus is saying, look, it's not just about fasting. It's not just about binding devils. It's not just about worship. Can somebody say amen? But it actually is all to do with our finances, how we use our assets and our income, and if we will dedicate them to heaven's greatest priority. This this guy realised I'm running out of time. Well, I've still got stewardship. I better get some friends. So when it's gone, I've got some friends. Jesus said, your assets, your income, the use of your potential, and it's the power to get the job done. That that we're to use our income to reach lost people. Amen. Win friends by the use of your stewardship. Jesus said, if you do it, you're smart. And if you don't, you're not. The children of darkness are wiser than the children of light. Somebody say amen. All right, let me close with the last parable. You ready for this? Okay, this is five parables. These are all sequentially, they were written collectively. They were never meant just to be taught in isolation. They were meant to be understood in their entirety. And Jesus tells five parables. And I think this one perhaps is one of the most challenging parables of them all. Look at verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in Prada, I mean purple, (laughs) in fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus covered in sores, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. I don't wanna go any further. That's pretty gross, isn't it? And it says, And the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades or in hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham. Remember, it's a parable, okay? It's a parable. He's trying to give you and I an insight as to heaven's priority is lost people. And now it says, Father Abraham, send me Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, Remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, there is a great chasm which has been set in place that those who wanna go from where you are to here can't, neither can we cross over to you. So he answered, then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my family, I've got five brothers and let him warn them so they won't come to this place of torment. I gotta tell you, hell is full of the best evangelists. People who end up there don't want anyone else going there. And look what happens here, okay? I gotta find it. And he answered, I beg you, send, send Lazarus to my brothers because, and he must warn them so they don't come. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, He said, but if someone rises from the dead, oh, how many know Jesus knows what He's talking about? If someone, I mean, I just love the humour in this. I think Jesus, if someone should rise from the dead and go to them, they will repent. And He said, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So let me just finish this collective five parables. And let me give you a few thoughts. To me, can I just tell you this? This is the most desperate and the most disturbing parable I think Jesus ever told. Here is a man that grew up in the synagogues and is teaching. And in Deuteronomy 28, it tells us that blessing God, that the evidence of God's blessing on a Jewish man, a God feeling man in the Old Testament, that his barnyard was full, that actually what marked him out as a heaven bound man was the blessing in and on his life. And enters a needy man at his gate. And it says here, and the wealthy man ignored the need of this poor man. And in this parable, this man in the parable who was needy, and it's the only person in all the Bible of any parable that's ever given a name. Did you know that? Every parable that's in the Bible, no one except this man gets a name. It says a certain man, another man, a certain woman. The only time anyone gets a name in any parable is this parable. Why is that? God wanted to put a little bit more of a face, a bit more of an identity, a bit more clarity for you to understand. And the name he was given was what? Lazarus, which means Eliezer, which means God is my help. And it was Lazarus who was in heaven And at Abraham's helper, and the rich man dies, watch, who was blessed by God, ends up going to hell. Now remember, it's a parable. I'm not saying rich people, all rich people are going to hell. And indeed, this is parable. What this parable is trying to tell us to do, that heaven's priority is lost people. And what we do with our blessing here on earth matters to God, and we're to use them to reach the lost. Somebody give the Lord a hand in Jesus' name. God's response is, listen to this, when this man says, please send Lazarus to my brothers, your brothers have a Bible. If they won't listen to Moses, listen to the prophets, and if they won't see that heaven's priority and the priorities of God is to actually reach lost people, if they, it won't even help them, even if they have a resurrection right in front of them. If we, can't through, if we can't see through Scripture that God's priorities is lost people, and if we can't see through Scripture that what we do with our money matters to God. God wants you blessed. Amen. God wants to bless you to be a blessing. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And I just want to encourage you, listen to this, if we won't commit our resources to those priorities, then even miracles won't help us. The end result is Jesus said, if you don't think stewardship is important to the mission of reaching the lost, you yourself could be lost. Heaven and hell are hung on our committing ourselves, our assets, our incomes to the stewardship of reaching lost people. Come on, somebody say amen. I've never heard anybody, Jesse, preach these five parables. I've never. In all my Christian life, I never saw them in that collective tense. The first three, heaven's priority is lost people. I am standing in a church who absolutely believe heaven's priority is lost people. Amen. I'm also standing in a church through what you've already done with Legacy is shown that what you do with your finances matters to God. Because it's not about building a building. Dear God, no. It's about building a place so more lost people can get found. So more marriages, so more healing, so more breakthroughs. Come on, somebody say Amen. Do you receive the Word? Do you receive the Word? Can I pray for you this morning? Maybe this morning, I don't know, maybe you're sitting here and maybe you're you're one of those three kinds of people. Maybe you're a wandering sheep. Maybe you're a lost coin. Maybe somebody found you today and just brought you to church. And you know today that you're not right with God. Maybe you're a prodigal son. Maybe you once were in the house and you just thought you just wanna try and do life your way and you've spent your life trying to find your own happiness but you're sitting here today and you know in this moment you're having a come to your senses moment. I need God. I tried to live life my way and it led me nowhere. It left me empty. It left me without friends. I wanna pray for you today. Listen to me now. I just wanna pray for you. I wanna include you in a simple prayer. And I just want everybody for a moment to close your eyes and bow your heads. And friend, if I'm talking to you, matter of fact, we're all gonna pray this prayer. Is that okay? Can we all pray this prayer together? And I want anyone and everyone who sits here today and you say, Steve, that prayer's for me. I wanna pray this prayer. I wanna get right with God. You know today that you're lost. And you say, Steve, I need to come back to God. Let me pray for you. Just say this out there, say, Lord Jesus, I ask You today to come into my life, to make Yourself real to me. I receive You now as my Lord and Saviour. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth, I'm now a Christian. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Church, can we give God praise? Like, Like it was Heaven's greatest priority. Come on, give God your best praise. And I want to encourage you to finish out this year strong and understand that heaven's priority is lost people and what we do with their finances really matters to God. I love you, church. God bless you. Good
1: to be in New Jersey. Come on. Thank you, Pastor. Come on, church, stand to your feet. Party. I have to tell you, we become molded by the people God places us around. And sometimes God places you around people. And in the moment, you don't see the significance of what it will be in the future. And um, when I was in, in in school, I remember, and you know, my journey, I told you how insecure I was at university. and But I remember always sitting in the back and the ushers at Wave are always trying to get you to move forward. And you know how we are in Jersey? It's like, no, thank you. I will sit here by myself. And they're like, No, you won't. And I was like, Yes, I will. <laughs> you know, and but I never thought that in all the years God would lead me to be part of a church, be a pastor of a church. And I remember sitting in the back thinking, like, man, I wonder if God will use me in some way. And 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 watching Pastor Steve lead had allowed me to to see myself in a way I never had before. And the uniqueness of God, I want you to hear this, is God, God's going to weave your story with other people's stories in the house. And you won't see it right now, and it won't make sense to you, but it's the reason that God calls us to community. It's the reason that he puts us together. Some of you who said yes to Jesus today, it's the most significant decision you ever made. It's the most significant decision you ever made. You might not even understand it right now. It's the most significant decision you've ever made. And for everyone who's been raised in church, let me talk to you because we're usually the ones that are the most screwed up. Um, (laughs) You need to be in community with people. It's not as much as what you know as much as who you're in relationship with. You need to be in community. And I want to encourage you to do that. Encouragement is our polite way of saying, please be in community so we don't have to kick you to be in community. But I want to encourage you to take your step of obedience just to be in community. If you said yes to Jesus, as you exit today, I'm going to ask you to do something. The scripture says that if you confess before men, that Christ will confess you before his father. And so I want to ask you to do something. You're going to, as you exit today, you might want to sprint to your car. Uh, understand, uh, understandable, but I want you to go out of your way. You're going to see people in the lobby. They're going to be waving these Bibles like this. And they're waiting for you to connect with them and say, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And we want to help you in any way we can in your journey with the Lord. So make sure you do that. If you're joining us online, make sure that you let our team know. Let the pastors know online. We'd love to send you a resource as well. Um, In addition to that, make sure um, that we are, that we're not hypocrites ourselves. If this is the greatest message under heaven, let us act like it. And don't go through this season without extending an invitation to people who are lost. Even the one who every year you invite them says no. You know, Maybe this year they'll say yes. Come on, let me pray a prayer blessing over you. Stretch your hands to heaven. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you that you use us in unique ways. In ways that we often can't even understand. Father, I thank you for Pastor Steve and Pastor Sharon. I thank you for their faithfulness, for the vision that exists in them. I thank you that that they could be such a pioneering spirit to inspire thousands of churches and still do today. And Father, I see the beauty in relationship in that. I see that you use us collectively to do something that we could never do individually. And so, Father, continue to bless this house. Father, I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And Father, I pray that we would operate out of faith and not out of fear. Father, may we be all that you've called us to be. May we go um, and live our lives and our marriages. May we walk and may we interact with people with a sense of humility. Father, I thank you for this season especially, for the salvations that will continue to be found in the weeks to come. Bless us as we go today. In your precious and holy name we pray, a faithful church Then, Amen. 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 God bless, guys.